The Sophia Gray Show. (laughs) (sighs) Hello, listeners and kinky friends. Welcome to The Sophia Gray Show, where we discuss all things sex, kinks, and fetishes. From the sex stories to the latest trends in the erotic world, we talk taboo transparently. This podcast is brought to you by Sophia Gray, the largest used underwear marketplace. I'm Lacey Bloom. And I'm Tracy Bust. And today we're gonna we're gonna get a little serious. We're gonna break it down because we're gonna talk about what I think is one of the scariest things that so many of us face every day, and that's Shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Tracy, I'm curious, what does when you think of shame, how does how does that like manifest for you? Like what does shame feel like for you? For me, like shame is the voice in your head that's telling you you should feel bad. So it's not necessarily like like for me, it's not necessarily like the feelings of feeling bad. It's it's the message that you should be feeling bad. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Because I feel like I I totally agree that it's not I feel like most of the time when we think of shame um, and this is, you know, ties into what we're going to be talking about today, that it's very much self-inflicted. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of feelings. I I mean, you said for you, it's a voice in your head. For me, it's like a feeling in my stomach, like the pits of my stomach, just kind of like punching me, telling me you should have done this or you could have done this. So um, you know, I, I clearly we're both guilty of feeling shame. Um, oh, sure. I, I, I think everybody out there, I'm sure, has felt shameful in some way, whether warranted or not. Although I, I don't know if I can ever say that shame is warranted unless you've really, really done a bad, bad thing. Sure. So. Yeah. I feel like we live in a world where it's all too easy to shame ourselves like we have such a just with everything all of the pressures in our lives the way our society is run like we all have like such a natural tendency to look inwards and shame ourselves and it's like the real struggle of like being a person is is trying not to shame yourself especially during times when you shouldn't be shaming yourself yeah and I think as far as shame goes with ties to sexuality there's there's a common term that I'd say most of us are very familiar with at this point in time and that's slut shaming Mm -hmm. um and that's you know something we've seen in the news on the internet uh we've heard about it in schools via bullying and text messages and normally it's it's about slut shaming others but i think too often it becomes us slut shaming ourselves and it's internalized slut shaming and i think that's sort of what we don't talk about enough of not that i don't think we should talk about the slut shaming we're seeing you know slut shaming that's clearly externalized but I think it's just as important that we're turning the mirror on ourselves. Totally, um, yeah. Because even people who fight slut shaming, like ourselves, you know, when we see it happen to others, we can sometimes fail to acknowledge the way that slut shaming is stunting our own sense of self. So mm-hmm. um, you might not even realize you're doing it. So today we're going to talk about internalized slut shaming and specifically point out signs that you might be slut shaming yourself. So like just about anything, shame can manifest itself in a million different ways. So the first thing we're going to talk about today, the first sign that you might be slut shaming yourself is you blame yourself for others actions. And I think that's probably one of the most 
common ways that somebody might be slut shaming themselves without whether they recognize it or not, because I don't know a single woman or member of the LGBTQ community who has never been harassed. Right. Yeah. And I think like it's interesting because people will still be like, well, I was drunk. I was well, I was drunk that night. And but if you had a friend who was like, I I was, you know, I was being harassed. I was being treated inappropriately. Mm-hmm. You you wouldn't you you would never ask your friend well you were well were you drunk versus but if you're like trying to like you know kind of decipher what happened yourself you would always like at, you ask yourself the questions that you would never ask a friend who have who may have experienced the same thing. Yeah, and and I can't speak for everyone's perspective, but specifically as a woman, I think we have this tendency to take so much on, so much guilt, so much mm-hmm. blame, so much shame. And it, like you said, there's this question of why why did this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? Because yeah. for some reason, we have this idea that we, you know, I mean, it kind of, it's, it's weird to say, but it kind of ties into this whole idea of feminism and that we're responsible for our own, our own choices and our own actions. And then it's sort of the flip side of, well, because of that, if something happens, I clearly did something to make this happen. Right. But that is, that is absolutely not the case. And like you said, this is something that if it happened to a friend, um, you know, whether it was harassment, rape, um, you know, uh, any other form of assault, we would never, hopefully, um, we would never, question our friends about what they did wrong this is this is not their fault it's not your fault Mm -hmm. you did nothing wrong nobody has a right to violate your boundaries or deny you agency over your own body so step away from that train of thinking totally yeah because I think like victim blaming you know is this reaction from like a a people who are in who are in have a sense of power and they're worried about losing their sense of power that they go ahead and they blame the victim and so when you do that to yourself you're like kind of giving in to the patriarchy in a way like you Mm -hmm. know what I mean like when it's like you know someone's on on trial and uh, a victim is being asked like you know well were you drunk that night blah 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 blah. what were you wearing what were you wearing yeah like I feel like that's such a you know uh, it's an establishment it's a male establishment patriarchal like kind of um, like practice that they do so when you do it to yourself you know it's you're kind of like giving in and and you need to and I feel like it's like one of those things where you need to train yourself which is takes time and it's fine if you know it takes you a while to not like let all of this like patriarchal like standards like infiltrate your thinking it's it's no wonder that we have this train of thinking too what with the example of of cases that we've seen especially in the United States like I just Mm -hmm. saw somebody post the other day that we've officially hit the amount of time we've been in quarantine longer than Brock Turner was in jail whoa yeah for being you know convicted of rape charges that's That's, very disappointing and that's really that's upsetting to hear yeah Yeah, I know no and it it is upsetting and it should be upsetting I hope everybody is upset but yeah the other thing and I know I'm super guilty of this is that 
blame and shame can lead into like this downward spiral. And too often we can also blame ourselves for blaming ourselves I know. in the past, um, which I know, I know there's, there's always something that I think about that I, that probably happened 10, 15 years ago that I still to this day will think about, is, is there something I could have done differently? Mm-hmm. Um, or I can't believe I blamed myself at the time for feeling that way. And then it's just this never ending circle of the blame game that is just ridiculous. So, you know, we all grow. We all need time to heal. And as we heal, be sure to ask yourself how you can start surrendering the shame and examining the situation from a different light that's not going to be damaging to yourself and, you know, by proxy to others as well. Totally. Yeah. I feel like we all, there's so many of us who are just keep trying to be perfect and keep putting, Mm -hmm. we keep putting all of this pressure on us to do everything perfectly, even when it comes to dealing with something traumatic or angry or or angering or whatever. We need to take a break. You know what I mean? Like we need to just like be kind to ourselves and yeah. Yeah. It's very, very true. So let's move on to number two, which says, that you hide the truth about what gets you going. Sure. And this this is very, I mean, this is something we've talked about in several episodes where we've released, you know, statistics from different studies they've done. And I feel like one of the questions we always have is, okay, well, those are results for the people that admitted the truth. Now, Mm -hmm. we know that there's always people that are, lying or hiding what they're into because they have this certain sense of shame attached to it. Totally. Yeah. There are, there are two kinds of sexual people. There's those with kinks and there's those who are lying about them. (laughs) We, we, we all have something that gets us off and it might be buying used panties. It could be foot stuff. It could be eating chocolate syrup out of belly buttons whatever it is yeah there's I know right I mean what's not (laughs) to love about that we have a lot of people now listening who are questioning a kink they didn't even realize they had (laughs) but um yeah I mean so long as it's a consensual kink it's a good kink there's there's nothing wrong with that so um again the culprit, I think, that's pushing this sense of secrecy and shame, it's the society we live in. Absolutely. Yeah. Here's the thing when it comes to sexual shame, especially as it relates to, you know, your kink, your fetish, whatever it is that you're into, it it's going to hold you back. Sexual shame is going to hold you back from experiencing so many yummy delicious things so there's I mean what it all boils down to is so long as you're enjoying a consensual act with you and your lovers that's it end of story express your sexuality and and forget about what anybody else is thinking because I do feel like times are also changing Mm -hmm. um in terms of you know that's not to say people haven't been practicing kinky sex for many, many years, but also that what we consider to be, and I hate this term, normal, is also shifting with like new generations, having new, being more public about the types of relationships they're having. Like I feel like Mm -hmm. we're seeing so many more people in open relationships, polyamorous relationships, 
um, that it, it's becoming the new norm. It's be, it's changing up what we've considered in society to be, you know, the end all be all that it has to be between a man and a woman. And they have this beautiful vanilla sex after <laughs> yeah. they're married. Uh-huh. So I think so long as we're open and honest, it's going to make it's going to normalize the different sex acts that people prefer mm-hmm. um, to the point where. Hopefully we won't be experiencing this shame that so many people have had for for years. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the third one, and I can speak to this as a woman <laughs> for sure, is uh-huh. you don't advocate for your own pleasure. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, oh boy. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time I faked it. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, same here. <laughs> Like it's it, and I again, it, it all ties back into this, you know, patriarchal idea of like what who should le- who should experience pleasure and who, you know, that's, of course, just for men and women are there to procreate and have the babies. Yeah. But, you know, everyone out there, man, woman, every non-binary, everyone, it's it's so important to vocalize your sexual needs. Mm-hmm. And this. This goes beyond voicing your kinks and fetishes and turn-ons. This it takes time and it and I think it's a more of a gradual exploration of, you know, where reality and fantasy intersect. And I was thinking the other day like cuz I feel like it's 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 a struggle, you know, to be to to share what you like during sex and advocate for your own self-pleasure when you are having sex or you're being intimate and I like had this thought and I was like okay you know what like because I still struggle with it you know myself especially with like new partners I'm like okay I'm gonna take it little by little you know like I'm gonna have the courage to say um can you please move your hand up a little bit you know I prefer if you touch my clit like on the hood of my clit not on the actual clit and um and I think like by by just saying just having that moment of me asking this this one request and then having it be heard it it opened up this level of freedom it was just one question it was just one well not even a question it was one request and it was and my partner listened to it and it was like it was and it was like yeah sure and it was like a two second long you know dialogue that ended up like blowing my mind a little bit you know just because I asked and it was just like it's wild yeah well and honestly um I've I've found that with you know as I've gotten older like the partners I've been with the more that I know my own body and I know how to vocalize that and show them what I want and how I want it and how Mm -hmm. hard I want it then the it's it's definitely been more of a turn-on for my partners as well and yeah I'll tell you that if you do have a partner and or partners and they they don't appreciate the fact that you're sharing what you want with them, they are not the partner for you. They are there for their own selfish pleasure. And yeah. you, mm-hmm. you do not have time for that. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. And I'm definitely not going to feel ashamed about knowing what I want. Yeah. So like it's I, not it's not the norm. That's not the that shouldn't be the norm, even though it's like, right. you know, whatever. But in and you can either don't be afraid to bring this up with a partner. Don't be afraid mm-hmm. to see sex go to a sex therapist if that works for you and at the end of the day if it's just not happening maybe take time to like reconsider 
you know, your worth and, and see if maybe are you in the right sexual relationship if continually you your partner is not giving you the attention that you deserve. Enough said. And you know what? That tie is perfectly in with um, the fourth fourth thing on our list, but also something that um, one of our our recent episodes with uh, Gigi Angle, she she spoke to being a sex coach. And when I asked her, you know, what her biggest piece of advice was for everybody, it was masturbate, 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 mm-hmm. because you need to know your body. You need to get to know your body and love your body before you share it with somebody else. So fourth item on our list is you are embarrassed by touching yourself. Hopefully I, you know, I hope that's not the fact, but we really should all be masturbating frequently. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's, and it's, and it's not just about, it's not just about orgasming. It's about being comfortable with your sexuality. Um, not necessarily as it relates to others, but mm-hmm. also just for yourself, for, you know, exploring your sexuality as it relates to you and your own body and forget about the world outside. Um, so I think a great way to do this is to explore what we call micro moments of mm-hmm. sexuality. Um, When you're alone. So, I mean, even if you have a partner, you know, that's at home with you, quarantined with you, it's okay to still take the time to be by yourself and masturbate. You hear the whole idea about self-care and that you can't you can't really take care of somebody else, whether it's, you know, children, a partner, family until you take care of yourself. And I think the same rules apply here. So, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. find those those micro moments. And that might be putting on a song that has you feeling yourself uh-huh. and dancing through the living room in your panties. Um, it, it could be that, you know, if you do have a partner, you can kind of lock yourself away in the bathroom and, and maybe take a, a nice bubble bath or, or, or rub some lotion in. Mm-hmm. I, I have like found new pleasure in, I used to think of, I didn't like lotion because I used to think, oh, it's so slimy. I don't like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. textured feeling. I don't like feeling it left over on my hands, but that's like a new thing that I I'm like I'm going to rediscover rubbing in lotion and yeah. like make the most of it. So, yeah, there's there's all sorts of ways that you can, you know, find um find little ways to touch yourself or look at yourself, you know, just observe your body. I like that. Enjoy the sensations of yourself. And as it ties into masturbation, it it's so interesting that this this was something that when I was doing research about this, I found really interesting and I hadn't really thought about this, but it made sense to me. And it's that there's generally a lot of shame put onto the queer community and women for touching ourselves. And mm-hmm. men, by contrast, are... I feel like they're also taught that masturbation is, you know, dirty and shameful. Um, There's that terrible myth about hairy palms. Yeah. Uh (laughs) But at the same time, I feel like we kind of have this general idea in society that like, oh, well, men, men masturbate like boys. Mm -hmm. Boys are just, you know, when they reach that certain age, they can do it eight times a day, whatever. No problem. And um, but what I find really interesting is that I feel like so often toys that are designed for solo pleasure are more common for women like or or people with a Mm -hmm. vagina, Um, you know, because vibrators and dildos 
they they kind of come across as having this like experienced or slutty connotation but then when it comes to toys meant for penises so fleshlights yeah. mm-hmm. strokers they also have this odd shame attached to them but it's different it's more of like a pathetic or embarrassing shame yeah which totally. I just I mean it's again as somebody who doesn't have a penis that's it's not something that I had thought about before. Mm-hmm. So that was something that struck me. So, you know, whether you have a penis, vagina, it's th- don't feel ashamed of your body and don't feel ashamed of loving your body. Yeah. Um, everyone has, you know, their own relationship to solo intimacy. But I think mm-hmm. the important thing is that acknowledging self-touch and masturbation as a powerful and beautiful thing Totally. So important to working beyond your shame so that you can then share that beauty and power with somebody else. Yeah. I think it's just like this idea of just like remembering why you are masturbating in a way. Like when, you know, I think like you have like this like plethora, the the plethora of thoughts that happen like right before you decide to masturbate. You're thinking like without your, 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 uh, what like instinctively thinking subconsciously thinking like I know that this is wrong this is shameful like I hope no one knows that I'm doing this like da 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 and it's like oh, ultimately, yeah, it's always a secret it's like this secret thought and it's like ultimately like you ha- you're going to have those thoughts even if you don't believe them like I certainly don't but like but then ultimately it's kind of like reminding yourself like oh wait why am I here I'm here to like have a good time mm-hmm. it's like going to the gym I think well I don't know I'm, I'm j- <laughs> but it's like you get to the gym and you're like I don't want to be here it's gonna be hard like I you know would rather be home but then like you get in and you realize like oh I'm here to like be healthy you know and it's like that's the same thing with masturbation of like, you know, like, oh, this is embarrassing. I don't want anyone to know. And it's like, no, the reason you're there is to like be horny. <laughs> yeah. And I guess and and granted, you know, I, I like what you're saying it because I can see that, you know, if if you think about like this whole idea of going to the gym, it's you know, it is like when I think about going to the gym, I'm thinking, OK, it is to be healthy because I know in my mind that my body is never going to be Uh, the Western universal idea of Mm -hmm. beauty. Like I will never be a size four, nor do I want to be a size four, nor if you are a size four, is that wrong? There's nothing wrong with that. But, But I do think that some people do go to the gym because they want to look good, whatever Mm -hmm. that means. Um, I think people have sex with people regardless of whether they're attracted to them because they think that's you know what they need to do to be I don't know a functioning member of society which is you know silly but it's it is I think it's important like you said to really think about like the underlying factors that are that are making you want to masturbate or mm-hmm. want to go to the gym. I, this is the most I've talked about going to the gym, by the way, in months. So. Oh my God, 100%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been to the gym in months, but well, obviously, but like, um, yeah, but it's, but I get, yeah, I, I totally see what you're saying. It's, it's all about like, we all have these like, you know, superficial thoughts that are just so random and, and you know, our brains are going a mile a minute right. and then just like taking a deep breath and remembering like why we're here, you know, why we're doing this and how therapeutic it will be to yeah. you and remembering the therapeutic 
aspects of masturbation of working out of doing whatever you know that that gets you going Um, makes you feel good yeah healthy yeah because it does I mean we've talked about this masturbation is you know healthy and it Mm -hmm. and let's be honest it boosts that immune system I know and you know what I like to think there I I can't remember which episode but there's an episode of um, Broad City where there's just a sequence where Alana is or Alana is going to masturbate and it's just like this really cool sequence where she's just like setting up her room and she's setting up her computer and she does this and so lately when I've been masturbating like I've been trying to remember that like to do things of like making it pleasant for myself you know make this like not just like okay let me just like come and get on with the rest of my day because I just have this pent up energy it's like which we've we're all guilty of oh my god we all have those get in get out moments for sure yeah but then also even if it is going to be quick just remembering that like this this should be pleasant you know Mm -hmm. not something that you should not like this shameful quick rub down and then you know you go on with the rest of your day no I want to walk away feeling fine and fabulous exactly yeah speaking of fine and fabulous Uh um number number five on our list is that you don't wear the things you really want to wear so Mm -hmm. this is again I it's it's so hard for me to think about the male perspective on this just because I find so many of these apply to women or non-binary or queer people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, let's face it, I know at my school growing up, there was always a dress code and, you know, you got, there was so much judgment that came from students, teachers, you know, anybody sort of in mm-hmm. the school atmosphere that basically told us from the get-go that certain outfits aren't acceptable. And the main reason that they were unacceptable was because it for women at least it was deemed slutty I don't know I what what was your dress code like growing up at school I mean we had a pretty strict dress code I will say that my mother was also pretty strict about what clothes I would wear Mm. as well and so I will readily admit that I didn't wear what I wanted to wear until I was like 30 years old. You know, I always wanted to cover up my body. I was always afraid of people making fun of my body, making fun that my, you know, tits were too big or, which I know that's a whole thing, you know, just whatever. Like, um, but I just like, you know, there were times where I just like found myself like looking at all of these other women and men of all different sorts of you know shapes and sizes wearing clothes all these different types of clothes that and walking around so confidently and I would think like my mom would never let me wear that or I can't wear that like Mm. my everyone will look at my tits or whatever and then like all of a sudden like you get to your 30s or at least for me and I was just like I can't I want to live you know and I know it's like so superficial with because it's just like clothes or whatever but it's like I I want to wear what I want to wear you know and I want to enjoy like my the way my body looks in certain clothes I want to show off this body part I want to show off that body part and I feel like I there's sometimes I think like oh god I wish I could have had this realization when I was in my 20s because then I could have enjoyed my 20s but like I'm glad I had it all you know at, at least I I had it but um I, I I feel like if you're if you're finding yourself yearning to dress a certain way and you're you're anxious that it might be too sexy or whatever, like try to challenge that thought and see if 
you can wear it because you might be surprised. Yeah. And it's it's freedom of expression. I mean, it's, you know, it's if dressing a certain way makes you feel like the most authentic version of you, then go for it. That could be that could be all sequins. That could be I had a I had a phase in middle school where I wore like knee high socks every day. Like I it was like this old school sort of like I think I was very interested in like the pinup culture at that time. And I didn't want to fully commit to pinup, nor would I have been allowed to wear pinup style clothing to school specifically because of the dress code. But what I could wear were, you know, um, big, big jewelry, like necklaces and bracelets. And I would put a, a ribbon in my hair and I would wear knee high socks. And so I kind of like took advantage of what there was because that's, how I felt and that's what I wanted to express um and I was limited in how I was allowed to express it um so yeah I mean if if at this point in your lives you know assuming that most people who listen to this podcast are you know of a a, an older age let's I'm gonna hope that you're you know not 17 um but if you are great welcome (laughs) Basically, they're your clothes. They're nobody else's. So please be proud of who you want to be and start being that person immediately. So number six, and this is one that I I want everyone to really think about. You slut shame others. And I think, again, I really want people to think about this because I think our natural instinct is to say, oh, my God, no, I would never do that. Um, but I think I think you'd be surprised that maybe there have been instances where you have slut shamed someone else. And again, if you refer back to number one, I don't want you to blame yourself for blaming yourself or slut shaming others in the past, but rather to think about your actions and think about what maybe you have said or done in the past that could be thought of as slut shaming. Um, so if you, you know, have, shamed others for their outfits, um, you know, or, or whatever it might be. I want you to think about that friend or, you know, your mom or your shitty boyfriend, whoever it is that's shamed you before for wearing, say, a crop top. I know my mom has, and it's always been from a place of thinking that I would be uncomfortable in a crop top. So it, it might even come across more as like concern, but those those people that those instances aren't coming from a place of confidence and if you're shaming others for their clothes odds are you're not either because shaming especially slut shaming boils down to a need to control others so when you've been compelled to control other people's clothing and actions before think about and ask yourself what your motive is behind that because I know I know I'm guilty of this. And this is something that, you know, when I think about it, I, I never thought of as slut shaming. But I, I remember on more than one occasion having a friend who, you know, would uh, maybe in college go out to a bar and they'd wear their mini skirt and their, you know, crop top. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you look so hot. And they did. But also that I had this concern that if you go home with somebody tonight people are going to have a certain idea of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to define how people treat you. And 
that is slut shaming. And Mm -hmm. I call myself on that completely. But it's also, I think that's something that because we live in a shame culture has been passed down to me from my parents, has been passed down to me from society. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's something that, again, it could be that if this is sounding remotely relatable to anybody listening, it could be that you just need to look in the mirror and again, don't feel guilty. Don't feel shameful for inflicting this cycle that you're a part of because it's, it really is this terrible system that we, I don't think many of us mean to be a part of or mean to be enforcing, but really the easiest way to think about it is if something bothers you and you can't shake it, whether it's somebody's actions or what they're wearing, the most simple thing you can do is ask yourself if the person's actions or choices impact you. Because more often than not, the answer is probably no. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, the best thing you can do is let it go. And then on the flip side, if you do think that person's actions impact you, in, examine how, like really think about, well, how does this affect me? Um, and all you can do is breathe, pause, ask yourself why you're bothered by it. Um, and if it does boil down to slut shaming and insecurity, and again, it probably does, the best thing you can do is to be a good person and call yourself out. I mean, it really is, it's so similar to the discussions we're having surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement right Mm -hmm. now are so many people being called out and asked to just listen, just learn and recognize what you're saying and the fact that it's wrong. Um, You know, don't defend yourself. Don't put up excuses. Just look at what you're saying. Look at what you're thinking and ask yourself why. And then if it's if it's wrong, admit it there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with being wrong yeah no I totally hear what you're saying yeah Uh, I'm not gonna lie like you know sometimes when I feel like I've been wronged by someone and I'm like thinking in my head of like trying to find my ways to make myself feel better or try to find ways to like put them down Mm. maybe I have on occasion gone the route of slut shaming someone without probably even realizing without it, even huh? realizing it yep. um even if it's like something along the line but but th- th- that one that was a while ago and I have done that in a while but then also like it's even the littlest things when I see someone wearing something that maybe is like insanely revealing at a weird mm-hmm. time, you know at in, on like a Saturday morning you know what I mean or like and, and and then like not even saying anything but being like, oh, whoa, she's out. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. to me, that's slut shaming too. And 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 I don't like it when I do that. And it's like kind of like it's those little things where I'm trying to like retrain my brain and like kind of getting the mom voice out of my brain. And that's oh God. And you know what? I love my I love my mom. I love my parents. <laughs> but that yeah, they're really, great. Yeah. That really is like a major factor, I think. And and it's it's one of those things where and I haven't had that conversation with my mom before. And maybe it's time that I do, but that it's one of those things where, like you said, I can't I can't count the number of times I've been out with um, you know, with my mom to brunch or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like turned to me and pointed somebody out and said, Wow. That's an interesting outfit choice. Right? Yeah. And and I'm, you know, I just slough it off thinking, uh, okay, mom. But 
it's not funny. It's not. And the fact that she said it for so many years. And again, I love my mom. I think she's mm-hmm. a fantastic lady, but it's a different generation. And I yeah. think there's also, you know, they're part of the system too. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who have enforced the system because of probably slut shaming they experienced in the 60s and 70s. Right. So yeah. it's just, it's the never ending cycle that really does need to end. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, but basically again, it's just, just look at what you're saying, look at what you're thinking, examine it. And, you know, if it is slut shaming, it's probably your own insecurities or internalized shame that you're reflecting and putting onto somebody else. And Mm -hmm. that's, it's natural. I mean, it's, it's gross, but it's natural for us to do that. So just think about it. Think about your actions. Think about how you can, you know, change that manner of thinking and go from there. That's all that you can do. Um, and it's it's all about moving forward. Perfect. So number seven, and this is one that is an easy fix as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> is you don't want to have a condom in your purse, wallet, pocket, whatever it is, because it's embarrassing to carry one. Oh, y'all, buy condoms. Yeah. Just have them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's if you have a penis, if you're having sex with someone with a penis, if you're sharing a dildo with a partner, honestly, to me, just, I think anybody, everybody should carry condoms with them. Like, yeah. if nothing else, it can be for a friend. It can be for a stranger. It's honest, it, whether you're having sex or not, I just think it's so important to carry a condom with you because, Casual sex is not a crime. It should not be treated as such. Mm-hmm. And what what is sexier, honestly, than advocating for you and your partner's safety? Like, I think that is... We talk about all the time on this podcast how hot education is. Like, this is sexual health and education yeah. 101 mm-hmm. is having a condom with you at all times. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone makes you feel bad for having a condom with you... They are not worthy of being in your life. <laughs> you should give them a condom. They, they you should carry two they and give them one. A, yeah, and say, and then they'll be like, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing shameful about keeping yourself safe, any potential partners safe. And if anybody makes you feel that way, they're probably not safe or worth sleeping with in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And finally... Here's one that also I think is an easy fix. Um, although I, you know, again, I'm speaking for myself, is you don't often get tested and you keep your sexual history secret from your doctor. So I, I'm not a fan of going to the doctor. I mean, honestly, who's a fan of right. going to the yeah. doctor mm-hmm. in general? You know, my vagina like closes up when I think about going in for. <laughs> a pap smear uh-huh. <laughs> like it's just it's, it's uncomfortable fun, fun. yeah it's not fun I mean it's I feel like I do have one friend who told me that they love going to the gynecologist and I'm trying to remember her reasoning mm-hmm. for it but um I really really can't but here's the thing STDs are on the rise around the United States because let's face it we have shit sexual education in this yeah. country mm-hmm. again something we discussed in depth in our interview with Gigi Angle. Because of that, not only is it important to get tested, but it's it's important not to feel embarrassed to do so and also to share our sexual history 
and our feelings as it relates to our sexual history with our doctors and healthcare professionals mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they are there to help us and I I know that people have had bad experiences with doctors. Like I I recognize that. Um I I don't know about you Tracy, but you know, I it it was actually kind of the opposite for me was um I I know people who have been shamed for like sharing their, you know, quote unquote number with yeah. their doctor. Mm-hmm. For me, it was almost the opposite in that, you know, I got a later start with my um my sexual experience and so I, I felt like I was almost getting shamed for not having enough sex at a certain age. So um, it's because, it, you know, of course, you're either the Madonna or the whore. There's uh-huh. no in between. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's nothing to be ashamed of. If you and your partners are consenting, helping each other express your sexual selves fully, there's no place for shame. There's no place for shame. And as it relates to your health, I I do understand that it can be embarrassing to talk about your number or go to the doctor Mm -hmm. to talk about it. Yeah. But again, I whether you've been with one partner or 2000 partners, it's it's something that I think you should celebrate. It's something that you should relish in because we're 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 creatures of growth. That's Mm -hmm. what humans are. And shame stagnates that growth. So the more that we can share and expand our sexuality and our education and, um, you know, sharing our, our sweet ass bods with other people, um, the more that you're going to grow to love yourself, um, become more comfortable with sharing these things with your partners and your healthcare professionals. Um, and, and so it basically what it all comes down to is don't be ashamed of how many partners you either have or haven't had. Don't be worried about sharing that with your healthcare professionals. And I will say also by sharing that with your partners, because I think there's this terrible underlying fear about sharing how many people you've been with, with your partner that just should not exist. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And also please, please get tested. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at this study here that says that sexually active young people between the ages of 15 and 25 they found that only 11.5 percent had been tested for stds in the past year that's that's wow. one in ten people. that's and yeah that is, that's that's not good enough that's a very low yeah don't be ashamed to get tested and if you think your doctor is judgmental fuck them you know get find your test a new doctor yeah find a new doctor give give whatever doctor you've been to zero stars on health grades or whatever and but at the same time like I feel like you may be surprised to see how men how less judgmental doctors are like you know what I mean like they just are there to kind especially when like you're going into like a clinic especially when you go to Planned Parenthood which I highly Mm -hmm. recommend going to I love Planned Parenthood um if you are you know unable to find a location or a doctor you know like the there are less doctors aren't judgmental as like your parents or or whatever or like you know who who how they may seem yeah because and again I mean I know I'm telling you about like a bad experience I've had with a doctor but I feel like that's what we we hear more of are like the bad experiences with doctors let's face it I feel like we hear more negative news in general nowadays and and of course there's plenty of terrible things going on in and around our country. But there's also a lot of positive things. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of positive Mm -hmm. stories to be heard. There's a lot of 
wonderful doctors and nurses out there. And so, you know, like you said, I, I am also a huge fan of Planned Parenthood. And I feel like a lot of my friends who do go to Planned Parenthood rather than, you know, like a traditional, uh, what, like family practitioner. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. They've they've also had really positive experiences because maybe it's just a, 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 a maybe it's just about finding the right atmosphere for you. You know, exactly. like not yeah, not mm-hmm. everyone is going to have or, or want to have this same the same doctor. Uh, what do they call it? The bedside manner, because I know yeah. I, it's like when you go to therapy, like some people love having the doctor that like tells you how it is and then Mm -hmm. some people want to be coddled and exactly yeah whatever works but the important thing is that you go and you do get tested and you do talk to your doctor I mean if nothing else I'd say at bare minimum everyone should get tested once a year yeah yeah which you know for people with vaginas that's your annual pap smear appointment done Mm mm-hmm yeah get it all out at once that's what I do (laughs) All out, all get in. it all out, all out. Put it all in and get it all out. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I say, yeah. "Hey, doc, I need you to put it all in to get it all out." And they're like, "Great." They know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad to hear it. That that sounds like a great doctor to me. So they're great. Yeah. Um, again, these are sl- signs that you might be or might have been slut shaming yourself. And again, when we think about shaming, slut shaming, it's it's something that I feel like has become so common that we almost don't talk about it as much anymore. Like it's just people have accepted it to be a part of the culture, the culture that we live in, which is unacceptable. And it's something that needs to change. And the best way to start that change is to change within yourself Mm -hmm. and recognizing how you are contributing and how, by doing so, you can make changes within yourself. And then after that, take on the world. I love that. Whether you're looking to buy or sell used panties, Sophia Gray has got you covered. If you want to earn some extra cash, you can set up your own shop in minutes and start selling your own used underwear. And they take no commission. You'll keep 100% of every single sale that you make. If you've got a kink for used panties and you're looking to buy your next pair, look no further. And the whole process is completely anonymous. Sophia Gray will never share, store, or archive your personal information. The name Sophia Gray won't even appear on your bank receipt. So head on over to sophiagray.com to start selling or buying used panties now. If you're a fan of the podcast, we hope you'll subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platform. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to let us know what you think. And while you're at it, feel free to share your feedback or questions by sending us an email to podcast at sophiagray.com. Until next time, I'm Tracy Buss. And I'm Lacey Bloom. And we're here to say, let them be kinky. There is no kink shaming here.